Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. last message that I am going to preach in this series that has been kind of scattered on the portraits of Jesus. And it's one of the greatest texts, I think, in, in Scripture. I probably say that with every text that I handle because God's Word is good, right? Uh, but John 14, I love John 14. There's a lot going on there, and most of us understand and know the passage at the beginning, uh, let not your heart be troubled, Right? Uh, I mean, Hallmark has even taken that verse and made millions of dollars with it, right, on cards that we send out to folks. But what an amazing passage of Scripture. The portrait that we're going to try to unpack today for you to get you to see a picture of is this picture of Jesus, the great encourager. Now, to understand what's taking place in John 14, you've got to go back and unpack part of John 13, but I'm going to do that for you in just a moment uh, and kind of put it in perspective. But then I, w- I want to share with you... What was taking place and why God's people, why the Lord's disciples needed some encouraging. I want to share with you what Jesus did in John 14 and how there's great comfort that we all can receive whenever we realize that Christ is there and we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him and the comfort that Jesus brings into our life to give us that encouragement that we need. I'm going to unpack that for you. There's about six things. I just want to hit those real quick and and exegete the, the scripture really quick in John 14. But then I want to close out with some application on how we can turn around and leave these doors and be an encourager. So i got a lot to cover today. I'm going to try my best not to keep you here real long. So I won't be able to drill down in all of these, especially these six areas of Jesus. But I'm going to give them to you so you can put them in your notes. And you can take those home with those topics right there and the passage of Scripture and study it a little bit deeper yourself. Okay? So I'm going to try to set the tone, set the, the setting out of John 13 share with you a portrait, a snapshot, a picture of Jesus here as the great encourager in John 14. And then I want to close out with some application. And if I have time, I've got like a two-minute video I want to show you at the very end by one of my favorite Bible teachers and preachers of all time, and that's uh, Dr. Chuck Swindoll. How many of you guys listen to Chuck Swindoll? I've listened to him ever since I could turn a radio dial to a station where he was on way back in the day in my early 20s. I started listening to Chuck Swindoll, and what an amazing Bible teacher he is. I love him. Okay, so if you're looking for some good preaching, tune into him. He'll feed your soul every single time. I want to try to show a little quick video at the end that he shares about encouragement and us being that type of a person, okay? So i got a lot to cover in a short time to get there. A long way to go in a short time. Somebody made millions of dollars on a song about that too, right? It's all kind of coming back. So you can see this may go everywhere today. But let's, uh, let's start with prayer, and then we'll jump right into this. And I want you to turn in your Bibles in John 14. We'll have the Scripture up in just a moment. Uh, and I want us to read that together, okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together today. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you help me. To shine light on your word. And that the Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts and our minds. And help us to receive what it is you would have us to receive today from your word. 
And as Tyler said, there's a lot of folks that are walking through life discouraged and hurt and broken and lives are shattered and a lot of fear and unrest and unknown and a lot of folks just need an encouraging word today. And Lord, help us to find that from your word. And we can see a snapshot of how you encouraged your disciples in a time in their life when really they didn't even know they needed encouragement. And Lord, I just pray that you encourage our hearts today. And then help us to turn around and be that type of a person that goes out and encourages other people intentionally. Bless in our service today. Speak to all of our hearts. Meet every need that only you can need or meet. And I pray you hide me behind the shadow of the cross. And may people only see Jesus and only hear from you today. I'm just a message boy. I'm just delivering the good news of Jesus Christ. Bless us today in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to John 14. John 14. In verses 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter from, from verse 1 down through verse number uh, 14. Actually, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm, read, I'm going to stop short of it. Um, I'm going to read the first 14 verses or so in John chapter 14. Okay? So let's look at this together. Are you there in your, in your Bibles? Are you there in the text? Okay? Either your electronic device is fine, a hard copy, whatever it is. If you don't have a copy of it, slide over next to a neighbor that someone does and let's, let's look in God's Word together, right? Because, by the way, this, the Word of God, is the highest authority in all of life. It is our final authority in life. It's what governs us. It's what we live our life by. It's what we make our decisions based off of. And so, um, so we need to have it. We need to read it, right? So if it's an electronic copy, pull that out, but turn to John 14. If you do not have your Bible today, we'll have it on the screen for you, okay? So John 14, verse 1. The Scripture says, <clears throat> Your heart must not be troubled. troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, you've got to understand, I memorized this out of the King James. I'm reading from the Holman. So sometimes there's a hiccup here in what, I, what my brain is telling me I need to be saying and what I need to say reading it from this translation. How many have memorized this passage of Scripture? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe, you believe also in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, many mansions. For not so I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I come, if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And then it continues. You memorize that, right? It's a great passage of Scripture to memorize. So let's try to read the text in verse number two out of the Scripture today. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, you love this verse, right? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that that verse of Scripture. In verse 7, Jesus said, If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us your Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? And the one who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? Or I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me, he does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
Otherwise, believe because of the words themselves. Now here, Jesus is unpacking the Trinity, and he's letting them know, hey, I am the Father, and the Father's in me. We are one. There's one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that's the Trinity. That's not here what I'm here to teach today, and that's another study, but there's a great reference to that. In verse 12, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he would do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What a great passage of Scripture. So here I want you to get a snapshot of Jesus, the great encourager. Now let me try to set the scene for you real quickly. In John chapter 13, it's a chapter filled with an intimate moment when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Uh, he's having a, an intimate moment with them. He's trying to teach them and share with them and let them know, hey, there's some difficult days coming. There's a transition that's about to happen. John 13 is filled with betrayal. It's filled with denial. In John 13, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. He's having the Lord's Supper with them, the Last Supper with them. <clears throat> they lean on his chest and say, who is it? He says, the one that I dip this bread into and give to. And he points out and identifies that it's Judas. <clears throat> In John 13, you, you hear me all the time saying the scripture, whatsoever thou doest, doest thou quickly. That's found in John 13. Who did Jesus tell that to? He told it to Judas, right? He said, what you need to do, you need to go about it quickly and do it. That's what he's telling him in verse 13. He's identifying that Judas is the one that's going to betray him. But then also he identifies not only is there betrayal that's taking place, and not only am I about to go away, by the way, and not only because I want you to continue this supper in my absence, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. That's all what's taking, what's transpiring and taking place there. So the disciples are getting a little bit upset that, why are you not going to be here? Where, where are you going? And then he brings up the betrayal. And then he brings up to one of his inner three. You know, Jesus had his disciples, but he had his inner three. And one is Peter. And he tells Peter, because Peter says, Lord, I'll never leave you. Lord, I'll go with you all the way to the ends of the earth. I'm there. Count on me. And Jesus turns and looks at him. He says, hey, before that rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. So right here in John chapter 13, not only is there denial, not only is there betrayal, not only is there the intimate time that he's having with his disciples and he's identifying and letting them know, hey, I'm about to depart from you and where I go, you cannot go. Then he brings them comfort and the comfort and the encouragement that he brings to them is found in John chapter number 14. Now, these disciples are upset at this point. I mean, their world has just been rocked. Are you with me? Their foundation that they have totally sold out on and believed in and trusted in Jesus now is being shaken. Let me ask you a question. Have you been there? You've been there where your world's been rocked? Have you been in a place where your foundation has been shaken? How many, how many has been there? If we've lived long enough, we've all been there, right? If we're going to be honest, we should all raise our hands and say, we've all been there. Some may be there right now. I've been there. I've been there multiple times. You've been there multiple times. 
And if this is your first time, you're probably going to go there again. So we need to learn how to deal with it, right? The disciples are there. They're upset. And Jesus said, all this stuff I've just shared with you, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Wow. How powerful are those words, right? So here we get a snapshot of Jesus, the great encourager. Now, let me exegete the passage real quickly for you. I'm going to hit these real fast, and and I'm going to give you six things about this passage of Scripture on how Jesus brings comfort to our lives and encourages us, even when our world seems like it's falling down around us, when our foundation is crumbling, so we think, and it seems like everything is stacked against us, and we don't know what we're going to do tomorrow morning. I mean, for heaven's sakes, we don't know what we're going to do this afternoon. Everything's so messed up, right? Let me share with you some words of comfort or encouragement that we get from John chapter number 14. First of all, I want you to see God's presence. I want you to see that Jesus is there, right? Jesus is there with him. In verse number one, he says, let your heart must not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know what Jesus is telling us here? Whenever our world is being shaken, whenever our foundation seems like it's crumbling, whenever we're hurting, we're filled with anxiety and worry and fear, and we don't know what is going to happen in our life or or what tomorrow is going to hold, Jesus is saying, block all that stuff out. Look at me. Believe in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'll be honest with you guys. When we're going through something like the disciples are going through and our world is being shaken and our foundation that we we built our entire life upon seems like it's dissolving right under our feet and we don't know what to do or where to go. Jesus is saying, take your eyes off of that. Right. The same thing he told Peter. You remember when Jesus was walking on the water in the storm, right? And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come unto you. And Peter stepped out of the boat and he started walking on the water. You know, we forget that part of the story, right? Really, the part we know about Peter is he started to sink. But do you realize there's only two people that ever walked on water according to Scripture? One was Jesus and the other was Peter. Thank God he got out of the boat. And that's a whole other message about getting out of the boat, and I don't have time to preach that one. But here we find that he starts to sink. Why does he start to sink? He takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to look at the storm and the waves and say, holy smoke, what in the world am I doing out of here? I'm supposed to be in the boat and the storms are coming. These waves are high. I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. Anxiety sets in and he starts to sink. The same thing happens to us when our life gets shaken, right? When our foundation feels like it's crumbling or dissolving under our feet. Listen, if you haven't been there, you just haven't lived long enough. You will be there. Amen. You will be there multiple times. The disciples are there. I just gave you the scenario in John 13. They are there. Jesus says, believe in me. Right? Let not, let not your heart, let not, what? Let not your heart, yes, my heart's troubled. And you're, don't, don't let your heart be, I mean, can you, can you feel the tension? I mean, I'm trying to paint a picture here. I can finish this sentence. I'm trying not to. Right? I'm just trying to get you in the picture. I mean, they're upset. 
And you're telling me, don't let my heart be troubled. My heart is broken. My life is shattered. I mean, in my future, I don't even know what it holds. And you're telling me, don't let your heart be troubled? What kind of counsel is that? Well, it's horrible counsel if you don't have somewhere to look. It's horrible counsel if you're going to keep looking into your circumstances. Right? But it's fantastic counsel. If you're going to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Church, you ought to say, this is almost good enough stuff to make an Episcopalian shout just a little bit. <laughs> right? This is good stuff. And I'm not against Episcopalians. They're just very formal and very proper. I probably wouldn't fit in with that crowd. I'm anything but that. Right? The presence. Jesus is there. That's how he's bringing comfort and encouragement to them. My point is, guys, when you're going through some hard times and hard places in life, get your eyes off of your circumstances. And I know it's easier to say than do. I've been there. I've been in some hard places. I've been in some places I didn't know what was going to happen to me, my family, my future, my career, this church, my ministry. I didn't know. But I knew that when I was shaken, it's then I knew I had to look straight to Jesus. Right? His presence. He's there. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But not only his presence. The second thing I want you to see is called preparation. Look what he's doing for him. And I've got to hurry here, okay? Look what he's doing in verse 2. Under preparation. Verse 2 and 3. In my father's house are many dwelling places. I pretty much don't like that word dwelling places. I like the King James word mansion, right? My father's house are many mansions, not just a cabin on the hillside. There's an old hymn, hymn that we sing about a cabin on the hillside. God ain't going to build you no cabin. Hello? Are you getting it? Get it? Okay, good. My father's house are many mansions if not i would have told you i'm going away to prepare a place for you and if i go away and prepare a place for you i will come back and receive you to myself so that where i am there you may be also so whenever our world is shaken i'm trying to encourage you this morning i want you to realize jesus is there His presence is with you. Focus on him and then think about what he's going to prepare for us. Guys, do you realize this thing he's talking about is really called heaven? Right? Do you realize that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people? And Jesus is going to make preparation for us there. And we can find great comfort knowing that this is not my home. Right? I'm not here forever. Right? This world decays, this world falls apart, things break, things get stolen, there's thieves, there's lying, there's heartache, there's hurt, there's tears, and and the list goes on and on and on and on. Aren't you glad you don't have to live here forever? Are you with me? By the way, Scripture says in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, that when God made Adam, he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and Adam became a living soul. Okay? Guys, do you realize it's not a it's not a question of am I going to live forever? 
That's not the question. You are going to live. Your soul is going to live forever all through eternity. That's not the question. The question is where is my soul going to live all through eternity? Well, I hope you have made preparation in this life for the prepared place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. Right? I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And then we see, write this word down, the proclamation in verse 4. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, and here's the great proclamation in verse number 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So we have his presence, we have his preparation, he's going to prepare a place for us. Now we have the proclamation that, hey, we know the way. What is the way? The way is Jesus. That's why he said, you know the, look at verse 4, you know the what? Jesus said, you know the, say it, it starts with a W, you know the way, right? Not trick questions, straight straight out of scripture. You know the way. What is the way? Jesus said, you know the way. What is the way? Jesus said, I am the way right so the only way to get to this prepared place and be in his presence forever is to know the way yes to know jesus right so are you getting more encouraged now he's with us focus on him he's going to prepare a place for us he's coming again he hasn't forgotten about us right We're going to go to that prepared place, and the proclamation is the way we get there is through knowing him. Now, look, if you will, in verse number, I guess, verse number 7 down through 11, you find the person. If you know me, you also know my father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So the person, he's identifying who he is, right? I am the person. I am Jesus. I am God the Father. I am God the Son. I am God the Holy Spirit. I'm going so the Holy Spirit will come and be with you and fulfill my promise that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I mean, amazing doctrinal stuff is happening right here in this passage of Scripture in verse 7 down through verse number 11. And then in verse number 13, I want you to look at this in verse number 13. Verse 12, he said, I assure you, the one who believes in me, will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than those. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You want power? Then we've got to realize the presence of Jesus. We've got to know what he's going to prepare for us. We've got to understand the proclamation that he is the way and that we know the way. We know who the person is, that Jesus is God's son. He's part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, and there's great power in knowing that. I'm trying to get you out of this situation of drowning or feeling like you're drowning or like the world's coming to an end or your foundation's shattered. Because now we're getting to the place where you can be an overcomer, but not by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Are you with me? Right? I mean, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps all day long. I I believe there is part of something we need to do, but there's so much more than just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Are you with me? You've got to focus on somebody that can get you out of that situation, and you've gotten yourself into that situation. So, honey, it ain't you. Are you with me? Poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now and use this terminology. Say, it ain't you. Go ahead. It's not good English, but it's just kind of fun to say, right? So who is it? The power comes 
when we focus on the person. And the person is Jesus Christ himself, okay? Then the last word I want you to get is the promise that you find in verse 13 and verse number 14. Verse 13, he tells us, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is that not amazing stuff? I want to share with you one more thing here. I want you to look back in in chapter 13. And I want to start leaning in now to the application. Okay? What we can do with this passage of Scripture and how we can move forward. All right? But something I want you to do, look back in verse number 13. Or, I'm sorry, chapter number 13 of John's Gospel. I want you to look down around verse number 31 and following. Remember, their world is being shaken. He's identified that someone's going to betray him. He later identifies that Peter is going to deny him. But in John's Gospel, chapter number 13, in verse 31, it says when he had gone out, that he is Judas. Judas left. Okay? In John 13, in verse number 31, when he had gone out, that's Judas, he had left, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. Then you come on down to verse 33. Children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me just as I told the Jews where I'm going. You cannot go. So now I tell you. So he's telling them he's getting ready to leave. They can't go with him at this time. And then he tells them in John 14 he's going to prepare that place. He's going to come back and get them at that time. But they cannot go right now. Are you tracking with me here? We're kind of jumping around. But I want you to get the the gist of what's happening here in Scripture. Key verse I want you to see is verse 34. Look at verse 34 of John 13. I don't even think I have it unless, Charlie, you, can, you should be able to pull it up there if you search the Bible. But that's okay if you can. Uh, verse 34, I give you a new command. Look at verse 34, John 13. I give you a new command. What is this new command? Somebody shout it out if you're there. Wow. Jesus knows... That their world has been shaken. He knows that they are concerned with what's going on. I'm sure he can sense it in their reactions and by the expressions on their face and the worry in their eye. But he says, here's what I want you to do. I want to give you this new commandment. This new command I want to give you is that you love one another just as I have loved you You must also love one another. And then in verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Okay? So I'm transitioning now. I'm using that verse to transition into the command that Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love one another. I want you to take care of one another. I want you to be there one for another. And matter of fact, the world, what does he mean by that? He's talking about unbelievers, those that do not trust me or follow me or are not Christ followers, that haven't put their faith in me. They will know that you are my disciples, that you are Christ followers, that you are believers because of your, what? Love one for another. Now ask yourself a question. Is life all about me? Or am I spending my time 
trying to be an encouragement to other people and try to love them the way that Jesus showed his love for me. That's the takeaway, I believe, of all that I'm trying to share with you about this portrait or this snapshot of Jesus, the great encourager. It's one thing to understand and know that Jesus obviously is the great encourager. It's something else for us to turn around and apply that to our life and walk out this door and be that encourager one for another and for people that we cross paths with on a daily basis. Right? So I want to share with you real quickly, and I've got about six or seven minutes or so to share this. I want to share with you a few ways on how we can be an encourager. Just a couple of things here. And I'm going to try my best. Matter of fact, I could preach another hour on this subject with some notes that I have here. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to get them, get, give you the application part real quick and hit it and go. Here's what I want you to do. For us to go be an encourager. Realize there's people every single day that God allows our path to cross with, that their world may be shaken at the moment, their foundation may be shattered, they do not know what to do. We know what to do because we're a believer in Christ. We know that we're to love each other as Jesus has loved us. So what's the very first thing we're going to do? We're going to reach out to someone and we're going to point them to, come on, Jesus, right? Go back to the six points I gave you when I exegeted the passage in John chapter 14. That's what that's all about. We're going to point them to Jesus. We're not going to give them some psychological babble. We're not going to give them some intellectual, I don't know, lecture that some secular university says this will take care of the social ills of our nation and our people and individuals. Because anything they give you minus Jesus, they've given you a plate full of Nothing. Right? You fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it. They've given you nothing. Nothing that's going to sustain you. The only thing we have to give is the good news of Jesus, right? That he shared with us in John chapter 14. So here's what I want us to do whenever we think about it. Matter of fact, I want you to, in Ephesians 4.32, the scripture says that we are to, to be kind to each other. That we are to be tender-hearted, that we are to be forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven us. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says that we are to be humble, that we are to be gentle, that we are to be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of our love for them. I'm unpacking a little bit of what Jesus said that we're to do in this love one another command. Okay? So ask yourself, are you being kind? Are you tender-hearted? Are you forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you? Are you being humble? Are you being gentle? Are you being patient with other people? Are you making allowances for other faults because of your love, because of his love for us? And then 1 Corinthians 16, 14, everything you do must be done with love. Would you agree with me that there are not very many kind people in our world today? It seems like our world is filled with people that are mean-spirited, that our world is filled with people that are hateful, that our world is filled with people that are opinionated, that our world is filled with people that are just self-centered and self-indulged and just rude and just plain mean. Have you ran across some of those folks? Yeah, we do every day. Pretty good sign those folks aren't believers. And I hope that's none of you that are doing this. Because we are to love one another and prove to the world that we are disciples of Christ by the way that we act and react and how we are encouraging other people 
instead of being a discourager. You go in Acts 13. Now, I'm pulling some of this. I preached a series of messages back in 2004 here at Victory Church on some of the life lessons we could get from the early church. And it's, it's, a, it's about a 15-sermon series that I preached through the book of Acts. And really just pulled out some things that we could apply to our life on what the early church did. This was one of them. They encouraged each other. And matter of fact, when you go to Acts, the book of Acts, and you go over to chapter number 4 and verse 36, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts 4, 36 and 37, we're introduced to a guy by the name of Barnabas. And if, if you know the text in John 14, it talks about how he was an encourager. His, his name meant an encourager. And the very first thing we see about Barnabas when we're first introduced to him is that he just brought, he sold some stuff and brought a bunch of money and gave it to the church because he wanted to be an encourager. And he wanted to bless God's work and bless the church. And so that's a little bit of what we know about the beginning of Barnabas. But you study his whole life, you know what he was? He was an encourager. And what he did, he would reach out. And the example that we have of this is in Acts chapter number 9 when the apostle Paul at that time was Saul of Tarsus. His conversion took place on the road to Damascus. And everybody knows that he's out to kill the Christians. Now he's been converted along the way. And now he goes and wants to join the church and be part of the believers of the Christians. They wanted nothing to do with him. Right? Why is that? Because his testimony went what come on you know this went before him hello you realize that's true of you hello you realize your testimony goes before you you realize people know who you are and what you're about before they ever talk to you especially today on social media do you realize everything you post and everything you say and everything you do on there you're just telling the world who you are hello Right? Be careful. Be careful. We're to be Christ followers. Come on, smile. Some of you aren't smiling right now. He just got way too personal right there. I'm just trying to help us unpack this thing called this new command that we love one another. Barnabas reached out. He reached out to this guy that the church was neglecting because his testimony went before him that he's persecuting the church and he's killing Christians. They wanted nothing to do with him. Barnabas said, I'll reach out. I don't have time to preach this whole message, but he reached out. The point I want you to get, reach out. Matter of fact, I want you to get this quote. Encourage those who need a friend. Get this quote. Zig Ziglar, by the way, Zig Ziglar is one of my heroes. All of my heroes are dead. Intentionally. I do not place them in as a hero in my life until they've died. Because there's way too many people that start good and finish horribly. Right? The only heroes I have in my life are those that I can see the beginning of their life, I can see how they live their life, and then they died with integrity and honor, that will be a hero in my life. Are you with me? And you choose whatever. You, but I, I don't want to have a hero, and all of a sudden he or she do something stupid. I'm like, they're with my hero. <laughs> no? So hero, Zig Ziglar, great man of God. Fantastic communicator. How many of you guys have heard of Zig Ziglar? He's like the John Maxwell of today. 
He's a Christian man with Christian values and has taken those into the secular world, especially into the business industry, and made tremendous impact on people. But this quote from Zig Ziglar, if you read my blog, this is on the top of my blog. It's really my life premise, my life quote, if you will, because I want to identify with this quote. This is who I want to be, and I hope it's who you want to be. Zig said this, you can have everything in life you want if... There's one little word, if, that changes everything in that, path, in that verse or that quote. If you help enough people get what they want. So you know what he's saying? Life's not about you. Life is not about you. It's not about you trying to get what you want. It's not about you trying to just focus on you and be self-indulged and self-centered and entitled and, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And being rude and mean and crude and it's all about me and the heck with everybody else, you know. No, it's not about you. It's living our life to be a blessing to other people. It's living our life to encourage others. It's living our life to help others. Now, one of the things I said we need to do is we need to reach out. Are you reaching out? What about that new employee on the job? That new employee comes on the job, you're like, I'm not helping them. It's called job security, right? I've got to keep my value where it is. And they, I mean, they're younger, they're better looking. I know the company wants to go with a younger generation. And I may train them and tell them everything I know. And the next thing you know, I'm the one that gets fired or gets cut out. No, I'm not doing anything for them. Is that a good mentality to have as a believer? No, right? Reach out to them. Help them. Help everybody around you succeed. Instead of being the person that tries to tear down everybody. By the way, I'm way out of my notes here, so let me jump on right here. You realize there's two types of people in the world today? You're one of these two people. I'm talking about being an encourager. You're one of these two people. You're either tearing down or you're building up. We do it with the words we say. We do it with our actions. We do it with our, our mindset, our mentality. We do it with our posts on social media. Are you with me? And if we're going to be an encourager, you know what we need to do? We need to intentionally reach out to other people and help build them up. One of the, I, one of the, things, I love, one of the things I love to do more than anything is help other people be successful in whatever it is they're doing. If there's anything I can do where I can get down on all fours and let you step on my back so you can jump up there and be successful, I want to be the guy on all fours to help you. Tremendous joy I get out of my life by elevating and encouraging and helping other people. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered as I've spent my life doing that, that I really have everything I need. Right? I mean, I really don't have a lot of, I don't have any needs today. I started to say I don't have any wants. But my wife is sitting here, and she would call me out on that. Let me share with you one of my wants. At Bass Pro, out in the parking lot, they have this brand new, and it's black. It would match my Tahoe perfectly. They have this black bass buggy 
bass fishing pontoon boat. 22 feet long. And I tell you, we could put a grill on there. We could have the family out. Or we could grill burgers and make it a family thing. Right? So that's one of my wants. So two bag Zig didn't say, if you help everybody, you get everything you want. That's, that's not, you know, you can have everything in life. He did say want, right? I don't know if I ever get that. <laughs> but are we helping folks? Are we reaching out? I want you to leave here today. And I want us to be that person. I want us to be that church. I want us to be that group of people that intentionally, first of all, looks out. And by the way, this starts at home. It starts with your family. If you're married, it starts with your spouse. And if you have kids, then it goes to your kids. Right? That's where it starts. And then from the home, we reach out to the church and to the community and to the job and so forth and so on. Right? Be intentional. Reach out. Somebody needs a friend. Encourage other believers. Talking about reaching out. Because the first thing I said, encourage those who need a friend. Do you know someone that needs a friend? Do you know somebody just needs somebody to talk to? Be that person. Reach out to them. Then secondly, encourage other believers. Then we all tear up or tear or build up or tear down. And then encourage the discouraged. There's folks that we know that are discouraged. On the job, in the church, in our community, wherever it may be, take time out of your schedule and help encourage them. By the way, I really want, I really want what I say and what I write to be encouraging, to be words that build up. So encourage the discouraged. Not only reach out, second thing, reach up. Write that in your notes and I'm done. I want to try to show you this video and I'm going to be done. Reach out. And reach up. What I mean by reach up. Really what I mean by reach up is realize that that's God's mission for your life. Realize that you going through life being an encourager is really what God has called us to be and do. Reaching up. Glorify God with what we say and do. Reach up. So that's something we need to do. Promote the work of God. Praise the work of God. Let's reach up. We find Barnabas doing that. Okay. And I don't have much time to tell you much more about Barnum. So I want to close with this question. Would you like to be remembered as an encourager? I believe everybody in here would be, right? But we've got to be intentional about that. We must be proactive about that. Okay? So that's my message for you today. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.